0: i'll see it when i believe it Mm, hello and welcome to squeezing the orange of social science a podcast hosted by myself, Akin Omavitan, and Professor Dan Cable. On each episode, the two of us pick apart peer-reviewed and published social science papers, and we squeeze them for their best bits so that you, the wonderful listeners, do not have to sift through pages and pages of academic literature. What's up, Dan? Well, did I sweep your legs out from under you with that opening quote? Seems like punchy. I really
1: caught you with a left hook there. It was
0: punchy. What was I? Again, I'll believe it when I see it. Mm. Oh, 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 oh. No, I'll no, no,
1: see
0: no. It. I'll see it once I believe it. You there's know what? It's flipped me because you know what's going on there? Is there's something I want to believe you said yes. so much that yes. even though you said something, I want to believe something. Okay, we're going to get way Fabulous. too, we're going to have way too much fun with this paper. Are, what have we, so, we got folks, for the
1: for I mean, you listeners out there know that sometimes Akin and I pick classics. And that's what we've done today. This is a paper from 1985. It's in an absolutely great journal called the Journal of Personality and Social Psych. And it's all about hostile media. The idea that we often feel that the media is hostile to our cause. Mm. And Akin, would you say, well, what would you like to say, or shall I say something about the Beirut massacre? Oof.
0: Oh, gosh. So we're talking about like 1982, I yep. want to believe, and we're yep. talking about conflict between. So this is loose, so I'm going to give a very loose understanding, but it's conflict between um, Israeli Israel and like Arab states. And yep. there's also, from some of the research that I did into it, very light research, There was also, I believe, like a refugee camp. And, uh, and yeah, it seemed, uh, you, I'll throw it back to yourself if you want to add yeah. a bit more. Well, um, because
1: I'm older, uh, it's
0: at least something
1: that I heard of when growing up. I didn't know a lot about it back in 82. I mean, this is, you know, this is a very old study. What um, What's very powerful about it is at that time, there were partisans. You know, there were people that are very pro-Israeli. There are people that are very pro-Arab. And when they would watch the same news footage, they would often walk away with dramatically different interpretations of what, what, what it meant and what was said. And that's why I think this is such a relevant article, not just because of Trump and the sort of fake news and how he thinks the news is always against him, but the more general idea that whoever wins tonight
0: mm. <laughs> may have a hostile medium, media phenomenon going on in their heart. Wow. So, so yeah, so yeah, the title itself of this paper is The Hostile Media Phenomenon, Biased Perception and Sorry, Biased Perception and Perceptions of Media Bias in wow. coverage of the Beirut Massacre. So uh, this we're gonna give shout outs to uh, Robert Vallone, Lee Ross and Mark Lepper. So uh, so yeah, what were they what were they looking for? You gave a little bit of an intro, Dan. So what exactly is it that they were that they were looking for here? Yeah, I I think it is such a
1: uh, deep and important phenomenon of perception where, especially as lay people, we go through life kind of feeling like it is, and then we observe it. And part of that life is the media and how things are reported and what's said. And I guess there's an idea, and certainly for somebody like me before I got a degree, that the news was just kind of like information, like true. And then it is the case that when you go away to uni, you do develop critical thinking skills, where you say, "Well, true for who, and what was their agenda, and you know what mechanisms did they use to influence?" And so then you start to kind of, you know, realize that it's not just facts, but that it's information that you have to sort of. Well, in this particular study, what they're looking at is the idea that not only do we take away biased perceptions of kind of which leaning was it but it's a step farther. We literally see something different. Like later when asked to, when just asked to report, what did it say? There's pretty different perceptions on what it said. And so that's why, uh, Akin, it's like the way it kind of caught you up there, the title. It's biased perception, but then there's also perceptions of media bias. And in a way, those are like the two roots that could lead to yelling, hostile media.
0: <laughs> yes, and I kind of felt like it's when you kind of dial the nozzle up on confirmation bias. Yep. As, as I was reading this, it's, I had a loose understanding of confirmation bias. So this yep. idea that we, we are more attentive or we're, we're more receptive to information that we agree with essentially so it kind of holds a lot more a lot more weight and that's interesting in itself and this to me felt like what happens when that is then left to kind of like run wild mm-hmm. and i was picking up this sense of like paranoia this everyone's out to get me kind yes. of vibe because yeah. it it felt like it was created. So like, as you were mentioning, Dan, it's like this idea of the news, you kind of like, you switch it on and you're like, what's going on in the world today? And what they're observing here is that we're not just switching this on and asking ourselves that question. We're far from passive. This isn't just the news happens to us, but what we're actually doing is we're actually playing quite an active role. And so this paper is like, you know, 85. So now we're in 2020 and Having recently watched uh, the Social Dilemma documentary and looking at how social media is being blamed for a lot of the things in the world right now, this kind of lends to some theories I've had myself, which is that a lot of these platforms are not the problem. It's the people using them. Like we did an episode on on fake news. And the problem isn't just the fake news. It's that we insist on sharing this stuff. (laughs) We we insist on (laughs) feeding the fake news. (laughs) So it's kind of like we are feeding the the monster. We we create the monster because now we live in a day where, you know, they build these websites. They have these channels. They've got like, they've got metrics coming in live. So they could put out a, a news story, which let's say is very, I don't know, positive. Hey, no one's reading this. Or they've got a controversial t- topic and they decide to run down the middle. Hey, no one's reading this. Well, what happens if we dial the nozzle up for one side or the other? Because we're noticing that with some of these things that we're putting out, people are reading it and they're getting very charged. Um, so without me running around in circles, it does seem that the, the areas in which we're putting our attention seems to be what's producing a lot of the news in, in modern times. However, yes. what this past Paper is suggested suggesting is is illuminating that that is not just a problem of modern time It's just That's that right. now in modern time. We've got the tools to really start pushing. Yes. ideas Whereas previously we would have yes. just received them and yes. then inside Internally we would have felt enraged and maybe had conversations yeah. with one or two people whereas now we're able to kind of like crack our knuckles and get on machines yeah. and then start pushing The idea, everyone is against me. This is my point of view.
1: Back in this day, when they did this first study, they kind of fooled around with an introduction where they looked at a Time magazine article that looked at Jimmy Carter, presidential candidate at that point, and Ronald Reagan, presidential candidate at that point. This would be 1980. It's really interesting because the editorials that people wrote in, the letters that were written into the editor based on that same article, there was only one article, one of them was like, it was a, hack, a hatchet job and you know it, you ought to be ashamed of yourself for printing it because basically they tore into Ronald Reagan in this person's opinion. And then another one was the exact opposite, which was like, why didn't you just editorially endorse Reagan? I mean, you're glossing over his fatal flaws so handily that the real Ronald Reagan comes across as like an answer to our problems. And what's so interesting about that is that's when everybody would have read the same Time magazine article. It's, it's the kind of thing where like the same article inspired these radically different reactions, one of whom thought, that's supporting this idiot, and the other one supporting that idiot. <laughs> So it's just so incredible. Now, what you just brought up, um, Akin, is really cool because since that time, we've gotten to a situation where we're probably not reading the same article anymore. Mm. Now it's the case that we're being targeted with stuff that we already believe. So it's almost like we're getting news that is supposed to
0: confirm our confirmation bias before our brains even have to. We've, we've reached a new level of damaging convenience at this stage, but it's such a great point. Cause it does, it kind of makes me feel a bit like what we're dabbling with now is kind of, uh, let me coin the phrase live. Uh, it feels like dangerous art. So oh, like if we, uh-huh. if we like, cause like, you know, if you and I visited a museum and we, we saw like an interesting piece, we could have what would be a relatively safe conversation about that piece. Even if we had extremely different views about what that piece of art was saying to us, that would be part of the joy. The part of the joy would be, let's both look at this art piece and then say what it means to us. Like, you know, I would be like this, this feels very like passionate and very exciting. And then you might be a bit like, actually, this is, this is evoking nostalgia. And and then we would talk about the elements and then we'd probably both walk away being a bit like, oh, wow, that art piece is now this more more enriched thing. and We're not going to start Coming to blows in the Tate Modern over like a over a Picasso or something, whereas it feels like what we what we have now is the the news itself, and we're probably seeing this. We're seeing this in the study that we look at, but it's being interpreted like art. There's so much subjectivity is being poured Mm -hmm. into it Mm -hmm. that it doesn't really matter what someone writes, because unless you are going to have someone tell you what to write and then give them that, what it's suggesting here is that we are going to find something within it where we feel like it is being spun against us. That's right. Does that make sense? No, it does. And
1: (laughs) one thing that I I think they do a really nice job in, so in some ways this study is showing a classic confirmation bias, as you said, but one of the things in the the area of news, in the way that we sort of call foul on the news. But one of the things that it did pretty well was look at two different mechanisms. And I kind of like this because there's two ways it could lead to this misinterpretation or this reinterpretation of the art, which is the news in this case. And so they said basically mechanism one, they called it an assimilation one. And this one's kind of what you're already thinking about in terms of like when you've consistently processed facts and arguments in a preconceived way, in a prejudiced way, basically. And then all of a sudden you see that there's a couple of things in there that don't agree with that. Those couple of things really jump out as being like not very representative of the truth at all. And so you sort of like poo poo all the sort of things that support you but then you really lock into like all these things that don't match what I already thought. And so that's one mechanism. And I like the way they did this in a black and white thing. They said this first mechanism opposing partisans believe that the truth is largely black or largely white. Each complain about the fairness and objectivity of accounts that suggest that the truth might be gray. (laughs) It's because you're so used to seeing it from your side that you dismiss all the stuff that agrees with you and you really focus in on the stuff that just slightly is on the other side. So that was the first mechanism. And then the second mechanism or, you know, what might be causing this to happen in our brains, going back to that, um, it's a more radical mechanism because it basically is about not like an evaluation of the stimulus, but like you basically reinterpret and misperceive and re-remember different stimuli. So the way that they say this one is one side reports it to be largely white instead of being kind of blackish that the other side thinks it should be. And then the other side reports it to be largely black instead of the whitish color that the first side thinks it should be. And then both sides say (laughs) that this difference between what they think is truth and the, the newspaper's account, all of that is bias, and it's hostile. It's actually hostile bias where they're basically hurting and accusing my candidate or my side. So I don't know. I, think, I don't know if I did a really, really good job of covering that, but when I was reading it, I felt like they did an interesting job of trying to dig into why do our brains do this. Anyway, what did yeah. you think about
0: that? Well, well, I was going to... to to follow up on that, I was going to jump into a bit of their their method, in fact, actually, because um, what, one of the things that they, I found, uh, jumping back to the Reagan-Carter situation, they had wanted to do a bit more studying into that, but they found out that they were just a bit too late past the finish line. And that was one of my first interests... Well, not one of my first, but that, was, that I found it very interesting with that, how even though it was still relatively fresh news, like, you know, I guess in terms of however, like, relative they found that people were just over it at that point. So, like, if you've got, like, (laughs) like yeah, because if we take present day, present day, it's, I think, today's, like, the polling day for uh, Trump v. Biden. You know, we've had, like, about, you know, as soon as he beat Clinton, like they've been talking about this day, like it's you know, so I've, I've had it basically up to here and beyond. And what's fascinating now is we're at a point where like the volcano is about to erupt and everyone is like, you know, charged up and juiced up and amped up and has got opinions and takes and predictions. And it's fascinating to think that after this slow build and this culminating eruption, If you were to ask people about Biden versus Trump in a month's time, everyone's going to be like over it. Possibly. <laughs> like, <laughs>
1: yeah, I almost hope so. I can. Well, yeah, you, well, you know what?
0: I might be being hopeful there, actually, because uh, Clinton <laughs> uh-huh. Trump was talking points for a very long time. But so if we, if we, if we rewind back to a day before, like, uh, you know, Twitter and Facebook and, you know, all of these YouTubes and whatnot, what the, what they did essentially found, find was that they couldn't really study at that point because there was a lack of interest. And I think part of that lack of interest was emotional investment. And so that, that's going to become a bit more important later on as we, as we go down. But the method itself was, what they did was they got about 144 uh, participants. And what they did is they had recruited them within like about a six-week period of the, the massacre. So um, I guess intellectually and emotionally, this was still, this was still very fresh. So it was, it was very salient, if I use that word instead. So what happened is they were able to get six segments of news, And this is news that aired over a 10-day period, which... You know, nowadays it's like a 10 day period of news. I imagine if they did a similar study today, they'd probably have it within maybe like two or three days because of how fast the news cycles work now. But my, my assumption is back then, 10 days was still enough time to really be kind of chewing over an actual news story. And the developments probably weren't coming in as quick as they do now. So, uh, so what they were able to do is kind of hold, kind of think of it like maybe like a time capsule so they were able to present this time capsule of information to these 144 individuals and they were broken down with uh, as individuals who were either pro israel Uh, pro-Arab or neutral slash like mixed Um, and and do you want to say a little bit about that Dan the pro-Israel pro-Arab and neutral categories for this well I
1: think that it was really important that they in their minds and for this investigation that they got that variance that's really the only that's the only other important thing I would add in there is they their hypotheses were not that it was one side or the other doing this that we all do this and the more we believe in it, the more we think we're intelligent on an issue, the more we ought to see error uh, and almost make up error that isn't there. And so I think that that's really important. And so in this case, they have pretty large sample sizes, you know, enough that they have, they can detect with some statistics, whether these differences are there. And, um, They did find differences like the pro-Israeli group assigned 22% of the responsibility to Israel, whereas the pro-Arab group assigned 57% of the responsibility to Israel. And then they had a bunch of students in the middle that described themselves um, as just kind of generally mixed or neutral about this.
0: Yeah, and... This kind of feels to me, especially when they talk about the, like the intellectual investment into news stories. uh, It's something that I try to be quite careful with myself. Like if there's specific stories uh, like COVID, for example, at the beginning of this, I did a lot of deep diving because I was a bit like, I might die. Maybe I should know a few things about what the hell is going on right now. But like, this kind of felt to me like, let's say you did like a book club and that book club was like the complete works of Shakespeare. And it ran for maybe like a two year, three year period. And you really went into the complete works of, of Shakespeare and then after that deep dive and that nourishment and that intellectual like um, exploration, you, you then turned up and uh, so I'd put like the the news as, as now presenting like, now let's do a, a talk about the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> like there's no way you're going into that next session and not feeling like, I guess, a degree of intellectual superiority in which you're now probably analyzing the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar in a way <laughs> (laughs) that is just not necessary. Look, he wanted to turn into a butterfly. He ate everything that he could find. And now he has come to be something greater than he was before. But like, I could imagine if you've got too much, and and it feels like this is what's going on where they talk about these these individuals kind of like with this, this, uh, this, this bias. When you know possibly a bit too much, now what you're doing is you're not watching the news, you're critiquing it. So you're, you're actively mm. now you're now mm. actively being a bit like well this wasn't framed the way that i uh i would have necessarily framed it or my analysis of this uh is different from what is being presented and you also then go into it well why have they not mentioned this specifically yes thing? and meanwhile yeah. in the news desk they're a bit like okay we're going to give this segment like about six minutes here's the bullet points that we're going to cover and we're not going to go into them all in too much depth because then we want to talk about the high-speed police chase that took place in vegas so like someone who's now watching the news which has not been designed for you with your academic like level thing of like conflict in the middle east they're just like here's some bullet points you're now watching and it's a bit like oh what a coincidence that they did not cover this inside information that they do not want to talk about that they're clearly covering up for this and meanwhile, they're just like, look, man, we're just trying to, I'm just reading off a teleprompter, man. Like, why are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: oh! it's actually really funny you bring that up, Akin. It's actually beautiful that you bring that up because one of the findings, so let me, let me say a couple of the findings um, and some things that I had. But one of them, I'm going to come back to what you just said right there about the teleprompter reader. So one of the things that's funny is if you look at the pro-Israel people the overall treatment of the Israel programs they gave it a 2.9 which meant they were strongly biased against Israel but the people that were pro-Arab was a 6.7 on the same scale which means strongly favored I mean strongly biased in favor of Israel now mind you watching the identical programs Watching the exact same so-called news, they walk away with these radical reactions saying like, that's not even... So then there's all these other questions. We might tell you about those later and maybe we wouldn't. But the very last one is their perceptions of the personal views of the editors of those programs. (laughs) Like literally, almost like Racken saying, like, here's some real humans whose job it is just to create some news. And the people that were pro-Israel was a 3.8, which in this case meant that their personal views, like the editors, were leaning toward being anti-Israel, and the pro-Arab was 6.9 leaning toward being in favor of Israel. It's actually really exciting because they're attributing that to those humans. And that jump, you know, that's a three-point jump on a scale. In my research, to have a one-point jump on a scale is actually a pretty big one. So this means that because these issues are hot for them, they are literally seeing a different reality and saying that man or woman that created that show is bad. (laughs) They're wrong and they're bad. And I think, I don't know, that's part of what's so surprising, powerful and important about this study. One of the things we try to do on squeezing the orange is like, remind ourselves through science, how little we really do know about the world and how, even though it often feels like we see the world, you have to remind yourself to hold those
0: beliefs kind of lightly because mm. they're really deeply biased. Like it is, it is so like it's so entrenched in us. Because I, I was reading this, and I w- when you do send the papers, Dan, like I and I think I've mentioned this on previous episodes. I love to read through and find behaviors where I do the same thing. I I do the same thing, and you know they've created industries out of this. Like I don't think it's like a an accident, especially with like, uh, I used to, when I was uh, really into football, uh, I used to listen to talk sport radio. And so on game days, what they would do is that they would have, they would have fans call in and then you can express your, and everyone always thinks the referee is against them. They think all of the, they think the commentators that are like, they think the guy who's driving the train is against their team. It's like, what is, what kind of, we end up creating, we create, the very world that we live in mm-hmm. through a lot of our interpretations of it. And um, it's, it's, it's really fascinating because the, the swing numbers on the questions that they asked were, if you want to talk about polarization today, like these, these figures suggest that this is nothing new. Like we we've been doing this, and this is just as long as the news has been reported. So you could imagine back when it was like the town crier would go into the center and be like, here ye, he, here he. ye. That bell, you know yeah. the bell that they ring. <laughs> right? Here's the news from the castle. And then people would have just been in the crowds, like, I don't believe it, man. The prince has been like going around with all of these women. How could you say that about the prince? And it's just like I think that there's clearly something very much within us and As these new technologies and and ways of communicating emerge, the temptation seems to be, let's put it on that. Let's put it on the way that the news is being presented. Let's put it on social media. Let's put it on these particular individuals when really it's like, we're inferring so much, and at some point, we need to just put it on ourselves and just be a bit like, Look, I'm a mad person, and I probably shouldn't be spending as many hours a day watching this stuff if I don't have the capability to, yeah. like, kind of like yeah. the, to, to be able to tell what is in my head and what is actually on the screen. Wow. And um, I don't know if I'll ever be
1: good at this, Akin, but one thing that this. Helps me with almost like a meditation in a way by immersing myself and reimmersing myself, you know, because I've read this before. This is like a grad student kind of paper. You re remind yourself how biased we all are in a way that, again, I'll say for me growing up, just kind of poking fun at me and the sort of lifestyle, we would not have believed that there wasn't a truth to the media. And if somebody said that a certain show was different from the way you saw it, you would kind of think of them as an idiot, like not really keeping up, like having lost the plot. Like, and it's just really powerful for me to remember and to remind myself literally to hold those beliefs pretty lightly because like in this one, one other thing I want to kind of throw out here, because this really kind of helps me remind myself, it said that the pro-Arab and pro-Israel subjects literally saw different news programs. That is, they disagreed about the very nature of what they viewed. For example, the pro-Arab subjects reported that 42% of the references to Israel in the news was favorable, but only 26% were unfavorable. And that really flipped. For the pro-Israeli subjects, who reported 16% um, was favorable and 57% was unfavorable, so you're literally not even. And I think you made this point, but you're literally not even arguing about the same program because you've already recoded what it was in your brain. And the more you be, the more you are knowledgeable
0: about that, the more you're doing that. It's, it's comical, right? It's it like, is. It's kind of comical. <laughs> We're, we are we are inventing reasons to not get along. Like we're just, <laughs> we're, we're ourselves up. We're like we're 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 working ourselves yeah. up into yeah. these states, and yeah. we want to believe that someone else is responsible for it, and that that is not to uh, that is not to dismiss, uh, you know, poor reporting or you know the the biases that that do exist or because like you know if, if it's a a journalist will have their own biases. So they, they are going to write some stuff and then, you know, there might be certain leanings, but like, even if that is the case, there's still something to be said about my inability to objectively consume what I'm reading. Yep. Something, there's yes, still you know. a lot of work going on in my head, regardless of, even if someone were to, let's say someone wrote something in favor of me, like if it was in favor of me, like blatantly, even things that I had not done, I'd probably still be a bit like, look, it doesn't matter whether I did or did not climb Everest. They're clearly being metaphorical at this point. <laughs> <laughs> this news person <laughs> hates me. <laughs> the, the point stands. I am amazing. But like that inability to just be able to take it a level <laughs> down is, is yeah. something that we all we all we all struggle with. And As um we- Oh yeah, sorry. I was just going to say as well because I feel like one of the other points which they and this was in like the additional findings slash in the uh, in the core research as well in terms of what why this matters a lot, and I feel like a big part of this matters because as a species we're still very much playing the us and them game, and th- and I say this because. The, the big concern that was revealed here is that the, this is the belief is that the news coverage. So if I'm interpreting the news coverage as being against me or against something that I'm interested in, my concern is that other individuals are now going to read that and then also be against me or against the issue. So I create the foe in my head. And then I further project that onto other individuals and assume that they too, clearly I don't have any ability to objectively read anything. So I'm just going to assume that they too don't have the ability and they too will then and they'll get tricked and they'll get brainwashed and they'll believe this drivel, which is clearly false because it disagrees
1: with what I thought. (laughs) Hey, Before we move to close here, Akin, we may not be able to do this issue justice, but something has been on my mind a lot lately, Mm. is the difference between having judgments, like having a North Star, having values, things you believe in, and being judgmental, Mm. meaning holding others in almost blame for their opinions and thinking
0: yes. when they
1: don't agree with your North star. Mm. And I actually, I think about this a lot. I, I don't know how to handle it exactly, even in my own heart because I'm the kind of person that does believe you have to kind of believe in something or fall for everything. And you kind of want to be strong. You want to have an opinion. You, you want to go forward with an opinion that's what is as well crafted and as well thought out as you can But then you have to somehow hold it lightly when it comes to evaluating other people's opinion. Yeah, Isn't
0: that a tricky
1: phenomenon?
0: You know what? Like, I think the uplifting thing about that phenomenon uh, and this paper is I feel like without a lot of this stuff, I think life would be pretty boring. Like, I think- (laughs) I so it's think this like
1: entertainment
0: <laughs> yeah, but bias for entertainment say. like you know the like the imagery of each person's brain having like a tiny little man in it who's like kind of like I think the tiny little person inside each of our heads are just like, look, man, I'm trying to make this a bit more interesting.
1: interesting. <laughs> Little homunculus saying, "Right, <laughs> listen, we all agree this is going to be a long show. This is going to so be a small Why don't mess. you say this? And I'm just going to say the opposite. <laughs> we'll just wake,
0: wake up. <laughs> I've had arguments with myself, man. Like, there's gonna be like no one else around, and I'll find something to argue about with myself. There's definitely there's a little dude there, and he's just bored." <laughs>
1: He's just drumming his fingers. He's
0: just like, oh my God. Okay, let's give this guy some extreme political views. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if they're biased. I don't care if they're
1: wrong. <laughs> I just want to have some action. <laughs> oh my God. One time I had a boss acting and he told he told me and the people I was working with, do something even if it's wrong. Because we, we were just sitting, <laughs> we were just sitting around not doing anything. He goes, you guys, you guys, go do something! <laughs> and it's like that little guy in our head. It's like just say something, I rage, <laughs> just to rile people
0: up. Oh my god, that that just that that little thing, do something, even if it's wrong. That that just might be like a, a little tagline for the spirit in me. Like that's a big part of my nature, man. Like <laughs> I'd rather be in trouble than bored. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh my God, that's really good. All right. Well, this has been really fun. I mean, the thing that was nice about this study for me is A, it deals with an extremely classic issue, and B, it was only one study. So, like, rather than committing four hours to six different studies, this was one where, like, they get in,
0: they throw a couple of punches, and they dismount. You know, it's just in and out. Yeah, man. And just, yeah, one little takeaway from myself if you find yourself, we got like what we got COVID we've got the election we've got like there's like what black lives matter there's, there's you can start reeling them off and when you find yourselves in conversations with people that you love and you're hitting the roof and you're disgusted and you don't want to talk to them anymore just take a second and just be a bit like hey man it's a bit of news and you know people are entitled to have their own opinion and the same way that they're looking at it through a very specific lens i'm also doing the same thing so let's all just get ice cream and like hug Thanks, thank you, Enjoy the what rest of your lives. Please. Thanks, listeners, for spending some time with us. Go. Ciao.